0: Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 53 with swimmer, record breaker, and badass. Diana Naiad. This episode was brought to you by Olokai, a company who puts a ton of time and thought into crafting amazing footwear for men and women. I have a ton of pairs of Olokai sandals and even some of their slip-ons, and I love their shoes because they're all made really well so they don't break down, and they're all stylish so you can wear them with really nice outfits and always to the beach. Olukai was founded to celebrate the Aloha spirit and the waterman lifestyle, and they also aim to do a lot of good. They believe that sustainability and positive living is less about an ethos and more about the choices and actions you make every day. One of the best parts is this company is a certified B corporation, and they do a ton of giving back to communities. They even have their own Ama Olukai Foundation a nonprofit that helps to preserve the Hawaiian culture and the Hawaiian spirit, which I'm a big fan of considering my grandma lived in the islands. You can check them out and buy an awesome pair of sandals or even some slip-ons or one of their new pairs of boots for yourself or a loved one this season at olukai.com. That's O-L-U-K-A-I, olukai.com. This episode was also brought to you by HDX Hydration Mix. Like you, I'm an active person. I love sports drinks, but many of them have a lot of weird stuff inside of them. That's why I like HDX Mix. Not only do they use stevia and natural sweeteners, but there's no caffeine, no junk, and it has all the electrolytes, vitamins, amino acids, and minerals to stay hydrated and going all day long, whether you're surfing running, or even producing podcast episodes. There's only one flavor. It's berry and it tastes amazing. Besides being low in sugar, it comes in a tiny pouch, not a plastic bottle. So all you have to do is add it to your own water and your own reusable bottle, minimizing your impact and not adding to plastic pollution. You can even stuff it in your pocket or in your wetsuit during long surf trips or run. It's super easy to carry. It's lightweight. It's the healthy, eco-friendly, hydration drink. You can check them out at hdxmix.com. That's H as in happy, D as in delightful, X is in x-ray mix.com. At the age of 64 on our fifth attempt in 2013, Diana Nyad became the first person to swim 110 miles from Cuba to Florida without the aid of a shark cage. She'd also swam around the island of Manhattan in 1975 and done so much more. In between, she worked as a writer, commentator, journalist. The girl is amazing. At the age of 68, which she is this year, she does an amount of burpees per week that's absolutely going to blow your mind. We talk about that as well as what a box jellyfish sting feels like, her elixir for injury prevention, how she dealt with some really hard things she experienced as a child, And how you can live more wildly. Diana's amazing. Enjoy. All right. I'm here in the Cuban room. This is the most beautiful room I've ever seen in my life, in LA with Diana Nyad. How cool are these murals? Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thank you. Hey, and and
1: aren't they? They are worth living.
0: I'm with you. Okay. So
1: you just came from Stanford and Google what were you doing well first of all i'm a public speaker i have been for many years but once the cuba swim was done finally uh, which is four years ago i must say that i'm on kind of a a high-end fast track a trash track of public speaking i'm with caa and i'm speaking all over the world four or five times a week so it's um It's a a time to inspire, and I feel it. It's a two-way street. I don't just stand on stage. There were 3,000 people in the Google audience. I don't just stand on stage and feel like, oh, I've got this awesome story to tell, and what an awesome life I've led. I am... Um, sharing my stories. I'm more a storyteller than a lecturer, but I see their eyes. And what's happening is, yes, they're taking in my story, but they're extrapolating. They're sitting there saying, never give up, dream big. I, I don't care if I fail. If I dream the biggest dream I've got, I'm going to find out who I am instead of shooting for mediocre. I see them all. And when they're done, they leap to their feet at a standing ovation. And again, it's not because they're so in awe of me. They want to
0: get out and live it. So I want to talk about this, this theme of failure because yeah. that's something I struggle with as an athlete yeah. and as a podcaster and it just didn't work. Like I don't like failing. How have you come to accept failure, overcome failure? Like what's your relationship with failure and what advice can you give to people who struggle with like, for a long time, I I was afraid to fail. And part of the reason I started a podcast was Man, I'm going to fail in front of a lot of people if I do. And that's going to be okay because next week there's going to be another podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, before we started the interview, you were telling me about this, you know, gnarly, I just like to throw that word in for into you know, a <laughs> surfer. It's not really in my vocabulary, but you're in these gnarly waves in Indonesia. It's all guys who are used to taking these big waves and you're on the boat and they're all hopping off the boat and taking these huge waves and you have a choice. You say, well, I could just sit on the boat all day. It is beautiful out here. You know, it's nature. And I'll, and I'll you know, congratulate these guys when they finish and have a beer with them. Or do I get in and maybe make a fool of myself? myself, maybe worse, get hurt, maybe really worse and die. But you decided, you know, what is the failure of that situation? It would be not going at all. I try to shoot high. I want to, I want to be everything I can and feel everything I am. And if I, if if my bar is low, you know, if unlike you, there are a lot of people with podcasts right now, It's, it's a busy marketplace, but you decided I got something to say. And, and I have a way to reach out to people who are interesting. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going to put my voice out there. Well, I guarantee you're going to be successful. You know, you are, but even more, you're going to grow and you're going to be successful because you're trying something that's, that's tough. You know, you could just say, well, I'll just write on my Facebook page and I'll see who comes to me and it'll be nice. I'll have a couple of thousand fans. But no, you want to be in in the game. And so you're shooting high. And to my mind, there just can't be failure out of that. You know, I was shooting for that Cuba swim. Talk about epic. I mean, it truly is a vast, dangerous wilderness out there. Nobody who's ever been stung by that box jellyfish has ever come back to get stung by it again. Nobody ever. And I did. So was that a failure the time I was stung by him? No. I'm I'm in something, I'm in something mammoth. And 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 the the self-discovery that comes from that, the friendships, the science, the learning curve to the, you know, if you're living to the nth degree, I, I don't think you can find the definition of failure. Where, where is failure when you're at the nth
0: degree? What does a box jellyfish sting feel like? Like can you I can, I can't imagine actually. You honestly, you honestly can. Okay, because a stingray was the most painful thing I'd ever felt, and someone's like, "Oh, it's it's like a bee sting." No, it's not like a bee sting. So then. A box jellyfish thing. Like, Can you maybe describe it?
1: Well, just to be, um, you know, uh, purely scientific about it, there are thousands of species of the box. And then there is a, a species that delivers what they call the Irukandji syndrome. And 95% of people who have ever been touched by that cute little animal, it's only the size of a sugar cube. I mean, it's just, it's 600 million years old. It's the oldest body structure animal on earth. So there are protozoa. And cellular animals that have been around longer, but to have an actual structure of body, this is the oldest one on earth and it has got that poison down to perfection. And so if it touches, if that tentacle touches, if you're surfing and that tentacle swept, you're dead, you're dead instantaneously. I should have died that night, 2011, September, when I swam into a swarm of them, wrap, tentacles wrapped around the neck, around the bicep, down the front. I should have died that night. And we had a crack ER team from University of Miami, oxygen mask, EpiPen, uh, prednisone. You should see, Bonnie has the list of the meds they gave me that night. It's like it's like a legal pad long. You feel poorly from taking all those meds. And they will tell you, I hope it doesn't sound too you know, boastful, but they will tell you, I survived that on will. There was something about that swim in every year I pursued it that was so driven by resolve that not make it die making it, go under, make it. It didn't matter. I was going to bring the left arm up and the right arm up over and over again. So what's your mantra when
0: you're in these moments of
1: adversity? Well, wait, I didn't tell you what the box jellyfish feels like. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. It feels like being dipped in hot burning oil, your entire body. I was screaming to body. please help me. oh my God, my spinal cord oh my God, i can't breathe i can't that i was doing that body was going holy shit get her out get her out you know so it was a drama it was a it was a full-on drama out in the 50 miles from, sh- from shore yeah that's heavy you don't wish it on your worst enemy well i got one i got one i could wish it on but that's another story he's dead anyway it's okay may he rest in peace
0: I read your book. It's yeah. incredible. Actually, I'm I'm three fourths done. It's embarrassing, but we did this on short notice, mm-hmm. and um, everyone should read. Find find the way. Thank you, thank it's you for that. An incredible book. So I'm
1: proud of it. You know, often I don't know about you as someone who's you know driven and and you have a lot of dreams and you pursue them. Um, I often I wouldn't call it regret so much, but after everything I do, I look back and say I could have done it better next. Oh, why didn't I do? But that book, I don't. I'm very at peace with that book. I just I I put everything in it, all the all the authenticity and honesty I've got, all the stories, and I just I let it go, saying I I don't I couldn't have done any more with that particular memoir. So I'm proud of Find a Way.
0: I want to talk about your writing process, but before I forget, I want to go back to like, what do you say to yourself when you're in these moments of adversity, when you've got you know from just swimming and being exhausted Mm -hmm. to when you feel like you're going to die and you have a box jellyfish wrapping around your neck? and
1: Well, I think that takes us back to the concept of resolve. If, um, if you're so prepared, if, if your mind has expanded so far out to say almost anything could happen out there, You know, particularly in that particular ocean, that's why swimmers have called it the Mount Everest of the Earth's Oceans, that crossing from Cuba to Florida. The Gulf Stream's going that way six times faster than you're going that way. Um, Every moment that you stop to just pee or you know take take an electrolyte liquid from your camelback you're getting you're getting dragged fast to the east and you'll never make it so you've got to unlike other swims where you could take your time a little if you wanted if you wanted to stare up at the stars have a little chat with the people on your team about life you could not on this swim you've got to drive you got to drive north all the time with power i never talk about sprinting but you you are swimming at a decent speed all the time and so there are eddies within that gulf Street And then the particular species of sharks, the oceanic white tip is the box jellyfish. There's just so much going on. Capricious weather. You can't predict the weather and that thing. It it all looks good. And then you all get out there, the whole expedition. And you've waited a year. You've trained for a year. You get out there and the the weather doesn't materialize and it's done. It's, It's like Everest. But I think, you know, to go back to that word resolve, you you are prepared, you're prepared for for pain and you're prepared for discomfort and you're prepared for the unknown. And no matter what comes, it's not like, oh, something has happened and all of a sudden I have to dig down right that minute. I have to say, Oh my God, what happened? All of a sudden I'm having extreme shoulder. All of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm vomiting, you know, uh, uncontrollably, not just from saltwater take, but your duress, your stomach is just working the whole time. And it's not that I have to write at that moment, and say, uh Oh, this, 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 could take me down. I better get myself together. I better, I better get my discipline, my, you know, my, my, my grit together. The grit's set before you start. So it doesn't matter what happens, what comes your way. You're not stopping. The only reason we stop the first four times is, you know, we, we have a team, we have an expedition and we have the shark guys and the jellyfish guys and the medical team and my personal team and the navigation team. It's just like any, any big scientific, uh, mother nature exploration and we get together. And when the team gets together and says, I hate to tell you this, there's no land reachable. We've been trying for the last 12 hours, unbeknownst to you, we've been on deck using our sextants and our currents and calling NOAA and Miami, and we can't make land. It's for this year. Uh, we're all going to cry, but it's over. Um, so I never said, Oh, I can't go anymore. Oh, I hurt too much. I just, I'm out. I got, I'm tapped out again. I never got to that point because
0: the resolve was so darn strong. That's amazing what do you what do you think of when you're swimming or what do you sing
1: well you know you can picture whether you know you know surfing and snowboarding very well your senses are alive you know, you're hearing and seeing and, and feeling everything. Your hands are touching the water. Well, the same would go for climbers and cyclists. I mean, almost every athlete we can think of, you're you're alert and awake and, and your senses are guiding you and and helping entertain you. You know, if, if you especially surfing is not a good example of that. But if you're climbing a mountain, you know, my God, you know, Ed Vestiers tells me, He's climbed Everest more than any human being without bottled oxygen. And he said, I said, Ed, do you sing songs? He said, yeah, I only sing one. I said, one song where you're going for hours, like an inch at a time when, you know, it's 60 below. He said, yeah. I said, what is it? He says, I sing, oh, the bear went over the mountain, the bear. And I said, oh, my God, I would go insane. I would go insane. Just a children's song. But at least he says You know, even on those terrible days, he's got his eyes. He looks over at the other mountain peaks and he's inspired. Whereas picture, you've got this tight cap when you're out there doing these long, long swims. You've got this tight cap over your ears. So you're not hearing much. Bonnie has to use a loud police whistle to get my attention. And the shark guys, they don't like that. They want to get my attention in a hurry. Um, I've got fogged over goggles, turning my head close to 60 times a minute. So you are in the interior of your mind right from the very first stroke you're not like look when i finish a training swim my my team says wasn't that great? That pod of 60 dolphins that played along with us for four hours. I said, I I never saw them. All I saw was the side of the boat, like, you know, 60 times a minute. So you're in your head. And I think it takes a special discipline, takes a special mind to, you know, Michael Phelps has said to me, no way in the world, you know, I'm sure my body could get ready to swim for 53 hours like you did, but I don't think my mind could take that isolation so, yeah, I sang songs and counted numbers and you want to keep close to reality. If you don't, you're off. You're off so far away that you don't know what you're doing. What are your songs like? What? Yeah, it's my generation. You know, I represent my generation. So it's Janis Joplin and the Beatles and Neil Young and the Stones and, you know, it's all that group. Although is, is over the rainbow. I listen I listen to all those songs that I love is I have it on repeat you like all is? the time. Of course. And and you could just picture being on a, you know, people just say it's it's such a masochistic thing. You're in pain all the time. I said, not really. When you're in really good shape, let's take a training swim. I was trained in St. Martin. So we would swim from St. Martin over at Anguilla and Anguilla back. And that would take me something like 13 to 14 hours, depending on the tides and whatnot. But if I'm out there singing, I'm hearing Iz's voice. I'm feeling the magic. I'm not a religious person, but I'm looking at the awe of the blue azure ocean and I'm swimming over the curvature of the earth. And it's a high as well as painful. It's a high too.
0: Yeah. Everybody makes fun of me. I don't care. And I like James Taylor. And there you go. Like I
1: might take a Janis Joplin tune. You know, and uh so I'll and I, I can hear it. I, I I in my imagination, I hear Janice's voice, I hear her guitar strums, I hear that unique voice of hers. So I'm out there singing, you know, Bobby McGee like a thousand times in a row. Literally, the entire song, just the way she did. And I'm at the end singing la 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 all the way to the end. And when I sing Janice Joplin's song a thousand times that song, I get to 11 hours and seven minutes. Exactly. Because you've got this metronomic stroke. And so I'm saying, and that's keeping me engaged out there. I'm thinking, you know, I'm singing a thousand, I get to 682 and I take a breath and go, B-flat and I sing it again. And so, uh, and Bonnie knows not to interrupt me. If she blows the whistle, it's really just a feeding, not a shark or jelly or you know, a big storms coming in. I put up my finger to say, I'm not done with this particular, you know, verse. Let, let me get to a, a number. So she goes, okay, she's singing, let her go, you know. And that helps me get me through. And I think most endurance athletes do a lot of that, but, but the long distance swimmers are, are more in it,
0: that state of isolated sensory deprivation. So just everything. cause this audience is so interested in health and fitness and what yeah. do you eat on these, on these swims? Like what's the food? Not that very is healthy.
1: I mean, you know, I do not have Coca-Cola, not to slam that brand, but I, I don't have any soda in my life and in my house on that swim. Coca-Cola is genius. But no carbonation. No, I use the carbonation wow. too. It settles the stomach a little bit, like, like you give a kid sometimes okay. a little carbonation. It, it helps, you know, bring up, bring up stuff. And that, that immediate hit of caffeine, all the things that we know about Coca-Cola, which make it a nasty little drink, um, are, are wonderful. And I know a lot of athletes who use, not much, you know, I'm not talking drinking whole cans yeah. of Coke, but I'll go in and Bonnie will give me two ounces of Coke. And all of a sudden my stomach settles down a little bit. I've got a little of the sugar. And I've got a little of the caffeine and it's a it's a very good elixir when you're feeling poorly in the ocean. I know a lot of cyclists who
0: use it, but they drink it flat. So
1: yeah. what what else is your go to? You know, I think peanut butter is one of those, um, you know, just it fits all the bills. You've got some, you're, you know, you're losing a lot of calories on this thing. You cannot replace what yeah. you're what you're putting out. And peanut butter has that fat in it. It's got a little protein in it. It's also got a little bit of substance. So it's going to settle in the stomach. I don't want to eat the whole time. I've tried it and it didn't work. I don't want to eat for all those hours, even a training swim. Let's say I'm doing a 16 hour training swim, which is plenty long. There are a lot of people, and I mean this will all do respect but I'm at the extreme end of the sport there are a lot of people who train for the English Channel and Catalina Island very respectable swims I respect anybody who's done any of them but they're short you know most good swimmers do that in the English Channel they're doing that in eight hours now so to do a 16 hour training swim which is only one of the swims of that week by the way is just you know it's way beyond what most people can do by the way and find a way what I'm most proud of is the training log at the back of the book you know, you haven't gotten there yet, but at the back of the book, there's a, uh, there's a, a long, this is it right here. There's a long, many, many pages, not the 1978. I lost my training logs for them, but this is like training logs of, you know, Monday, 16 hours, Friday, 18 hours, uh, you know, week by week for four years, these long, long swims. And a lot of people who are good marathon swimmers who have done worthy worthy um you know things lake tahoe crossing um have never swum one one swim as long as these that are you know taking up all these pages here so it's incredible it is, when i open this book that's what i turn to and i go like remember remember all those freaking hours you put in you know so it's- what do you eat like what what else do you eat? I mean- Quick calories. Oh, I was starting to say that I used to eat only NASA type. Um, and actually I got some from NASA compressed gels and goo similar to any marathon or ultra marathoner or would run, but you know, running's different. You're, 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 you're upright. So first yep. of all, most of that digestion goes down with gravity. Now you're in the supine position swimming and a lot of you stop and you take in your food quickly. I mean, we're talking about 30 seconds. Then you're right back. And horizontal. you're right back. Yeah, lying down virtually. And so a lot of I learned from Dr. Timothy Noakes, South Africa, mm-hmm. supposed to be the, the you know, the top sports nutritionist in the world. He said, Take take another minute just to be upright while you're taking down that peanut butter. One minute just to try to get it into the stomach. And, and have it actually start digesting before you get into the supine position again. And he taught Bonnie to f- feed me plain cooked pasta, peanut butter, bread, things that would maybe absorb and sit in the stomach so that when you do take the, the gel or the goo that's super high in calories and protein, that would have a chance to actually be digested with this other food. So, you know, I don't know if the young people you've interviewed um, have talked to you about that phrase, the iron stomach, but can you, while you're feeling poorly at altitude, they're feeling so poorly. They just, they look at a, at a, at a bite of a a protein bar and it makes them feel sick. I'm sick out there. Bonnie would have to start begging me to take that two ounces of Coca-Cola. So, you know, they call it the iron stomach. You've got to figure out something that'll go down. You know, because you just need that fuel. When I arrived on that on that Florida beach, when when we finally made it in 2013, I'll tell you something. I mean, I wasn't thinking that clearly about this, but now in retrospect, I think my muscles and my and my head psychology could have gone through another night. I'm not sure my stomach would. I, I was at the end of being able to take anything down. How old are you now? I'm 68. Holy cow! It goes by fast. Let me tell you. And you you, know, if you, people your age don't believe it, you're going to blink and you'll be my age. So I was just say go out and do it all,
0: chase it all down, you know? So those 30 years or so when you were mostly like being a journalist, yeah. telling stories, yeah. you weren't something at all. No, I didn't swim at all. If I went on
1: vacation on my boogie board with people, but I never swam, I didn't swim a lap. So all that shoulders and triceps and lats were, I was in shape. Maybe you they know?
0: recovered. Yeah,
1: I think they were rested. I, I was in shape. I always, I owned a fitness business and I, I, I did a hundred mile bike ride every Friday if I could. And, you know, I did, did some badass workouts and whatnot. So I was in shape. But as you know, it's specificity, you know, especially with swimming. Almost everything else is land-based, and so, you know, you can be playing a hundred sets of tennis a day. You're not going to be ready to swim. So when I went back to swimming, it was a rude, rude awakening. I was low in the water.
0: I don't need a lot of women over 60 or even men yeah. at 60 who start pursuing a crazy endurance sport.
1: Yeah, well, I, it's not that I started. I, I was deep into it before. I had a huge background. In or it, you know? I was re- the best
0: at it. Retake it up. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I guess we'd have to research who has taken it up. You know, I meet people all the time who are doing incredible things in their 60s. I mean, That's you know, awesome. and, and to say it like this, ESPN, when I finished, put a, put a uh, you know, a, a freeze frame on, on their air that said the toughest athlete in the world is a 64-year-old woman, meaning me. But, you know, it's easier, clearly, in an endurance sport. You know, if you wanted to climb Mount Everest at age 68, you could. Are you going to play in the NBA? I don't like to put limitations on people, but probably not. You're not going to have springs for legs anymore. So it's easier to, to come back and, and be even at a, I, I think I actually have been better in my 60s than I was in my 20s. I'm bigger. I'm a little beefier. I used to be a little skinnier and faster but but i think that I'm, i re, i resist uh, little colds and flus now better than i used to and my actual brute strength is stronger now than when i was younger
0: what's your diet now and fitness routine like
1: you know i i i try to i try to just for me you know there's nothing competitive about it with anybody else but every year i try to Find something new that would be a challenge. So this year, 2017, starting January 1st, I decided to do a thousand burpees twice a week. Thousand burpees in a row. So, you know, that That's takes me insane. two hours and 50 minutes. And it's a, it's, it's a heck of a workout. How
0: is that on your knees um, and like
1: you know, it has, it bothered my groin a little bit, getting back into that frog position at the bottom. But at the end of it, I am just shaking all over. I'm dripping just a, 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 you know, a flood of sweat and it it's working. It's working your core. It works your triceps. It works your shoulders. It works your chest. When you push back up, it works your haunches, your quads, um, you know, your, your uh, butt. It's just a, it is a foot. Like if you were ever in prison, Burpees would be the thing to keep you in shape, you know, if you only had the space yeah, of that's a your prison body. Workout. It's a heck of now. I don't do a full push-up all the way to the ground because I don't think I could do a thousand push-ups um in three hours, but I, like I I get back down, I get into the plank position and then pop back up. So I don't do the the, the push-up part of it, but it is a it is a grueling workout, and I, I look forward to it. Like the night before I do it. Um, I, I'm ready. Like I drink plenty of water that night. It's like my little thing. Like nobody cares. Nobody watches me, you know? So, but it's, but this year it's been my thing. A thousand burpees a couple times a week and in a hotel room it works and I travel a lot. So it's perfect.
0: That is so epic. Um, okay. Wild idea to try at home, right? A thousand yeah. burpees. There Why you sweet. go. You got there it. You go. I want to hear from you guys. How many
1: are you, are you doing? A thousand burpees.
0: Come on. So you've had so many wild ideas and I still want to talk about writing, but, but how do they start? Because I'm reading in the book right now that you even try out for Saturday Night Live, my favorite <laughs> yeah. TV show. You host the worldwide sports. Yeah. You're going to probably do Broadway. You've got Everwalk right now. You're an author. You have a PhD. No, I don't have a PhD. You don't I didn't have a No. Nope. You didn't finish no, it. No, no. Okay. You've written you know, a book.
1: And the PhD is a good, good example of. I could shoot high and there's no shame in, you know, I didn't want to finish that. I had swum around. I loved it. I was studying comparative literature and reading Flaubert and French and it was fantastic. I was 20 some years old. And then I swam around Manhattan Island and it just happened to be a big deal. It was kind of a a lucky big deal. I didn't know it was going to be a big deal. It was a big deal at that time. So all of a sudden I've, I've had chances and I got chances to put the Cuba swim together. I got some backing. So I just thought the PhD I can read Flaubert on my own anytime, so I didn't finish it and I've never had any shame over that. Let it go,
0: you know? I love that you got kicked out of Emory by the way because that's where I went and yeah. kicked out because you parachuted out of a building. What building? Yeah.
1: I don't remember my dorm, whichever dorm I lived in. I- you know, I'll tell you what happened to me is um, you know, listen, I I didn't uh, suffer through the Holocaust. I I didn't lose a leg in the Boston Marathon bombing. But my small cross to bear because all of us have uh yep. you know stuff and mm-hmm. heartache and whatnot. So I went through sexual abuse with a coach uh, when I was a kid, and it, it it had a deep deep imprint. I could even say to this day, I'm pretty happy, successful together. But there are trigger moments when that. That, that rage comes out of me from being pinned down like that. And um, so I'm leading around to saying that my childhood and high school and college and maybe even a little bit longer, I remember almost nothing mm-hmm. because I was in a whole different world. I was in a world of trauma. I was in a world of confusion, a uh, world of low self-esteem. So, you know, I could tell that it's parachuting and, and Emory is a funny little story, but I don't remember anything. I don't remember one building. I don't remember uh, in, in my childhood, we, we moved a lot. I don't remember one front door or backyard or bedroom or kitchen. And I don't remember Emory. I don't remember what it looked like. I don't remember what I did there. If I, you know, did I have a roommate there or or the next college, Lake Forest. I'm sure they were great places and I met great people, but I wasn't, I wasn't in this world. I wasn't attached to reality at the time. And when I got into my thirties and more forties and that, that trauma was farther in the back. Now it's much farther away from me. So I've lived more life. I'm very in the moment. You know, I remember yeah. every little thing and, and, and,
0: and I'm alive and happy, but I don't remember Emory at all. But I'm glad you brought this up because so many people Everyone has stuff. And yeah. right now it feels really magnified. I mean, some of the most amazing professional athletes are friends of mine and have called me and they're they're suffering. They're yeah. going through depression, through anxiety. There's just yeah. kind of a lot of anxiety in the air. A yeah. lot of people have experienced abuse, sexual, verbal, whatever, abuse themselves. Do you have any advice? I mean, you've 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 faced it yeah. and handled it. Yeah. Any advice that is to people who've who are going through a hard time or who have stuff and want to come out of it and and live with it gracefully and not just be in fear and anger and sadness at all times of the day.
1: Well, you know, I'm no psychologist, but I guess guess what I would say is, and first there's a difference between being a child. So if you and I here were talking to a Mm. four-year-old, now we're talking about, we got to hope that four-year-old has a mother or a father or a mentor to turn to, to say, I don't feel safe, help me, you know. But now if you're talking about people, let's just take an arbitrary age over the age of 20, who are dealing with some of the issues you're talking about. I guess, you know, what you have to do is you just, you have to really be clear, all of us, that I don't care what your religious precepts are, um, this life's going to come to an end. You're on a one-way street. You don't get to live this day over again. I don't get to do this interview with you over again. So I want to be in it. You know, I want to be my best self in it. So that's easy to say with someone with depression who would just say, I'm just not doing it anymore. I'm not going to be depressed anymore. I'm not going to be you know anxious anymore. But there is, I think that over, that umbrella that you would say, this is my life. I got to get help. I got to talk to a good friend. I got to get the best the best professional in my milieu who deals with depression, get to the bottom of it. Is it chemical? Is it truly maybe a a brilliant medication that I could use? Or is it just an attitude and I need to get away from different other people? I don't know, but you got to say, I want to solve this. I don't want to be this huge, enormous, obese person anymore. I've thrown my life away to it. I don't want to throw the second half away. Well, I've been depressed I don't want to be depressed anymore. I want to love the sunrise every day. How do I get there? Somebody help me. You know, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. Your life is worth figuring it out.
0: You know, were the things you've done that were helpful in, in helping you figure it out? Going and talking to someone, for example, getting professional help, or was it long swims or time, or was it this idea of self love? And I want to talk to you about love more. Yeah, time is clearly,
1: you know, a great healer, but only if you're, you're, you're consciously moving in directions you want to move in. I mean, you know, time isn't going to help if you're going to wallow and keep eating that box of donuts every day, you know, you're not going to be helped. But I guess, you know, clearly through my life, I've, I've, I've definitely, um, you know, gone to seek professional help about things. I, I, uh, I ran into a, a guy and he was seeing, he wasn't seeing, he was talking to this therapist and um, he just said to me, she's just, uh, you, you might not like her, her whole approach because she deals with past lives. And I personally, I wouldn't argue with you. If you tell me your past lives and you remember them, I believe you. I don't remember any. I don't believe in them. <laughs> I think when you're dead, you're dead. But uh, I don't argue anybody, religion or philosophies. So he said, she's just genius, but she does work with your past lives. But it's sort of like she sets up what she really sees as your past life that's that's affecting you now and you just go with it as a as a parable you know Just, just go. so I I talked with her a couple of times on the phone from here in California she's in Israel I never met her and one day she says to me I'm feeling something very strongly now I know I can forget about the past lives thing just just go with me on this it's a, it's a story that has a has a essence to it I said okay so we've been talking about my childhood sexual abuse a number of times and so she knows I'm feeling this it was my fault and and you know you know I'm, I'm rough on that that kid who went through it I'm rough on her you know and so she tells me this story that years ago in Transylvania I was a young man I was a I was a male not female and um, you know I was kind of the kind of the athlete of the village and I had a lot of women friends not sexual just friends a lot of women were gravitating they were my buddies and then there was a big war and a, an army came in and it devastated our tribe our little village and my My particular punishment, because the women were my friends, the young women was, I was tied down with steel, I couldn't move a fiber of my muscles. And all my women friends were brutally raped in front of me they were violated sexually in front of me and they screamed and some of them died and, and there was blood and it was just, it was awful. And I was so, I was out of my mind that I couldn't help. I couldn't get free. So now the war's over. I lived, I'm not in the, in the chains anymore. And some of the women lived. So she says to me, what did you do? Did you go around to these women friends of yours and say to them, that was your fault. You know, you shouldn't have let that happen. Clearly, it was entirely out of their control. You held them and said, don't, you know, a a band of of unconscionably brutal people came through here. We are going to go back to being who we were before they came through. And you are a beautiful human being and you, you know, because they were suffering shame from it themselves. Sexual abuse is, it's kind of, it gets into, you know, nasty places because the obvious intimacy of the thing. She said, so I'm listening to this. I'm totally in it. I'm like that young guy with I'm feeling the shackles on my arms and, you know, I'm with her on the story. And at the end of it, I get what she's trying to say to me. Why can't I have that same compassion toward that little girl inside me, to that young woman, you know, instead of saying that was your fault, you deserved all that. That's what the psychology is of, of young sexual abuse, you know? And I said for the first time ever, I thought, yeah, can't I give her a break? It's, it was all that guy's fault. It was entirely his crime, not mine. But but a lot of us suffer through that, that it's our
0: fault, you know? Yeah, that's a game-changing moment. I, yeah, I think, it was. It was. I think a lot of us are really hard on ourselves and tell ourselves things we would never yeah. tell our best yeah. friends. yeah. So that's a beautiful partner art, your book. I want to talk to you really quickly. Writing process. And then I really want to ask you about Everwalk. So your writing process, you're a beautiful writer. I mean, did you have help with this book? Because it's it's written. I don't rip through books as fast as I'm ripping through this book. Yeah. I'm almost done. Oh, thank
1: you. No, I'm. You know, I think I've been a writer, and I think I will be. I will be a writer. Um, I just actually, now that we've talked about this so much, I've just um, my agent just uh, turned an essay on the whole sexual abuse, given the Weinstein story that's out there now, uh, to the New York Times. So we'll see if they accept it. But um, you know, as as I move along the next few years, I I uh, am going to write more and more, and not just about me. I like to write about other people, but I think i have some gifts as a writer that doesn't mean that you aren't always improving but i do think my process is imagination i don't sit down until i've thought about a piece a book is longer so you're gonna have to do some organizing and you know um you know put together how it's going to flow but i think all my life I've, i've been a writer my mom won some awards as a writer in france when she was little and she always said to me, you know, you might be an athlete, but you're going to be a writer. I'm telling you. So I think there's something of a, I, I am a public speaker of, um, some talents and I, uh, I think of a writer with some talents as well. I wouldn't say I have a process, but I do a lot of thinking. You know, when I'm out walking or swimming or walking my dog or even driving, I'm thinking of the story. Where does it start? Where do I really want to end it? What what should crescendo in it? I mean, you know, the stage, you know, performing on stage has that, you know, you decide, you know, where where do I want to hit that story? That's going to, you're not going to hear a pin drop. You know, where, where should, should that be exactly halfway through? No, it should be later, you know? So I'm, I'm always thinking of more like the arc of the story than I
0: am the particular words of the story. And you've had so many wild ideas on a huge level. Any advice to people listening who want to pursue a wild idea on a, on a grander level? Like yeah. where do they start?
1: Yeah. I just, you know, one thing is don't listen to other people's limitations you know, here's a here's a perfect sort of um, uh, benign example is now is I'm 68. So if you and I were to get out the um, United Healthcare, Care, uh, you know, uh, guidelines of what most 68 year olds physically should be doing these days, do you think they're doing a thousand burpees? No,
0: mom. Are you listening to this, <laughs> mom? Yeah, <laughs> she's going to Soul Cycle every day and perving on David Beckham. Well, but it's not all so good. Bad. Not, so, not bad. so bad.
1: That's not so bad. but. But I'm saying, you know what I mean? There, there, are these these low level mediocre limitations that we put on all of our society. You shouldn't be able to do that, and you, you know, you can't do that at that age, or you can't do that of that gender, or you can't do that. And there's just I, you know, I'm of a mind of who, who these rules for us. You know, I get real. I know what my age is. I don't try to pretend to be any other age, but um I just review, And I think people out there should just say too, you look yourself in the mirror. You get out of bed and feel your own body and and get into your own mind and say, what do I want to do? You know, frankly, if I were younger now, um, I'd want to be the first uh woman Navy SEAL. That would be the problem
0: is I don't want to really be in the Navy. <laughs> I always want to do that too, but didn't want to deal yeah. with anything. Uh, with you know, I, just, <laughs> I was
1: so disappointed. The last woman who was going for it, just this summer dropped out, mm. you know, and it, it partly has to do with what they have to lift. You know, it's its actually just pure, like lifting a telephone pole. These guys who are qualified can literally go out and lift. Whereas the women can do everything. They do the endurance thing. They do the mental thing. Um, they do all of it and they're courageous, but they have to lift heavy weight. And sometimes if you're under 25 pounds, you just can't lift a 250 pound yeah. weight. You can't do it. You know, nope. What is EverWalk? When Bonnie, who's my head trainer and my best friend, and I got done with the Cuba Swim, it was such an an epic gratification. And we thought, you know what? People have epic in them. Everybody has epic in them. And clearly, you know, you and I know um, a lot of Ironmen and people who have run, you know, 50 marathons and ultra marathons, but... Everybody has some epic in them. And so we started these long walks. We do 140 mile walks. This is nothing to the, you know, a lot of your audience, the the real badass endurance athletes. But um, to, to most people, if we were just going to go down my block and find all the people who live on this block, most of them would find walking 140 miles, 20 miles a day. Something they'd have to put themselves into. They start walking 20 miles a day, their hips, their knees, their feet. So so people trained and people cry when they finish our walks. But mainly, and I know that you're big, big, big on the on the outdoor inspiration of the great outdoors. Mainly, we're not about weight loss. Um, we're not about clearly you're exercising, but it's not even about that. It's to to be out in the outdoors and feel like you're traveling on your own steam. When you walk 20 miles, like if you and I just got up now and walked, we'd walk down to um, Huntington Beach right now. And we'd say, "Now that was kind of cool. Isn't that better than driving your car? Look at what we saw and what what our minds were open to talking about with each other. When we're looking out at the horizon and our minds are expanded. So every walk is sort of, it's a movement um, to help people find their epic. When they're walking, they might not be achieving something epic right that moment. Even 20 miles, you couldn't call epic, although we do for the people who do it. But they are thinking about what's epic within them. You know, they're, they're more inspired while they're walking from here to Huntington beach than they are sitting and, and eating lunch.
0: I love that. I love walking from my house to La Jolla. It's, it's 20 miles. See? And it's beautiful. That's 20 miles. On See? the beach, on yeah. the coast. Okay. We've come to the quick and dirty round. It's the rapid fire Oh round. dear. I think you're ready for it. Your favorite meal you look forward to after a long training.
1: Hot buttered raisin cinnamon toast. Yum.
0: Tips on staying injury-free.
1: Ice. Ice is the miracle. You, ice plunge. Do you do uh, ice
0: bath or All, all the time. Ice baths. Do you do cryotherapy too?
1: Yeah. No, only ice baths. And I'm starting, I'm going to put do a plunge one? in my house, oh, but nice. there's one at the end of my street. There Indian is? Baths. I walk there in a bathrobe. I look like I came out of the mental institution in like 35 seconds. And now I'm installing
0: one in my house, 50 degrees. Laird Hamilton yep. talked to me about it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Are you into Wim Hof breathing too? Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. it. For sure. Goggles that don't destroy your eyes.
1: Um, you know, Phoenix makes beautiful pairs of them and, and Tear does. They're, they're, much more, they're, they're, they're much more comfortable these days. Do you use sunscreen? All the time, but in the, in the ocean, it doesn't do much good. Any travel gear that you love to take with you? just reading i i it would make me neurotic beyond unspeakable neurosis if i wound up on a plane or a train or a car and i was stuck and we weren't going anywhere in front and i didn't have something to read favorite books that have
0: helped shape you or and books that you gift most often besides your own
1: you know um I, I did a lot of reading of the old classics and still, you know, I, there's something that just goes, this pleasure goes over my ears when I sit down with Dickens and uh, Jane Eyre and all those incredible stories of the late 19th and early 20th century. And, um, and and i've i've given those books i've given those books to young people mark twain you know when my godson and goddaughter and my nephew and my niece all of them when they reached about age 10 and 11 i would get them a hardbound book of the adventures of tom sawyer and i'd be so happy that they were going to they were going to read those magical tales most memorable place to swim well I'm lucky. i not just in, as a marathon swimmer, but just as a traveler of the world. I've been in the you know the blues of the Indian Ocean and and uh, the blue greens of the Caribbean and all that. But um, by far, my learning place of life was Cuba. So the Florida Straits between Cuba and Florida—that always it makes my heart pound to stand there. But, I can
0: tell you're highly influenced from that swim. Just looking around your yeah, house, yeah.
1: that Cuba Ocean. Cuba to Florida, it's just, it, it you know, my, my eyes well up with tears when I see it. I learned all my important life lessons out there. Um, I ran into my maker out there several times and could have died, maybe should have died. So... Um, that that definitely is by far the most memorable place. Now, Manhattan Island was a kick in the pants too. I was young. I was 25 years old. I was People were screaming down on the bottom of the battery. I was watching, I breathe on the left. So I watched Manhattan and I was born there. I sort of have a heart throb for Manhattan. So I, uh, I, I do, not in an ego way. When I look at Manhattan, I don't think of, oh, I'm the one who set the record. It's more like, what a kick in the pants to swim around the most famous island in the world. It's just a, it's a high, you know? Amazing.
0: Diana, thank you so much for sharing your wild ideas. Anything that you want to leave us with? What's next?
1: You know, you guys, I, um, I got to be, uh, I wouldn't say a close friend, but I got to be an acquaintance of Christopher Reeves. As you probably know, he fell from his horse and he went from Superman to a quadriplegic in an instant. And for the nine years he lived in that horrible contraption that he hated as a quadriplegic, Everybody he would meet, he would say, you have no idea what proverbial banana peel you might slip on tonight. You have no idea. Live it all. Live it large. Live it all. And do it today. Don't put it off, you know? So I don't like people who sit around and say, you know, I've always wanted to write a novel. I think I have it in me. I don't know. I just, you know, I I don't want to hear it that way. I want to hear you say, I've always wanted a novel and I'm starting tomorrow. You know, just do it. Just do it. Awesome. When are we going surfing? Oh boy. I, I'll boogie board next to you like a little pup. I'm taking you surfing. <laughs> We're going to end this. I would
0: love that. Thank you so much to Mary Turner who told me how awesome Diana Nyad was when they did this story on her for Outside Magazine's Women's Issue. Thank you also to Diana, to Bonnie. Diana squeezed in this interview in between three huge speaking gigs and her assistant, Bonnie, got me great pictures. Diana actually had me over at her home in the Cuban room, which was just beautiful and awesome and I'll always be grateful for this day. I also learned a ton about doing a good interview. So thank you, Diana. I highly recommend her book. It's called Find A Way. I'll have links to more on Diana, her swim, or annual EverWalk in the show notes at wildideasworthliving.com. If you're listening for the first time, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find podcasts. You can also just go to the website and stream it live. Thank you again for listening to this show. Thank you for your support, for your emails, for writing reviews on iTunes, which helps us grow. You can also support the show through Amazon purchases. And you can also check out our blog for our holiday gift guide, which offers some great books for the adventure. Just go to wildideasworthliving.com. Wherever you are, don't forget some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. We'll see you next week.